my feet. All right, lads, it is the Dined Out Halloween bonus podcast. If you haven't checked out the main Halloween episode, then definitely go do that. Do it. You know you want to. If you have, then you know how much fun of a good time of a <laughs> fun of a good time. You know how much fun of a good time we all had with the conversation with Joe and his five movie recommendations. That's the thing. If you were just jumping into this, you haven't listened to the main episode then you're missing out on five excellent Halloween horror movie picks. So yeah, if you're looking to bulk up your Halloween horror movie watching, whether it be for Halloween week or Halloween weekend, or maybe you just want to do it all on the day, I don't know, it's entirely up to you, then you have got five excellent recommendations in the main Halloween episode. I had such a fun of a good time talking with Joe. Sorry, this sounds ridiculous, fun of a good time. But I had such a good time talking with Joe that uh, we talked before we started recording. We talked during, obviously, and a little bit after. And I wanted to fit so much more in, but I just couldn't. So, yeah, the first treat in your Halloween bonus mixed bag of goodies is a little 10-minute chunk of conversation between me and Joe and his latest hobby of going to famous and iconic and legendary movie locations. Buildings, houses, places that you know, that you recognize, and that you love from movies and TV history in particular that are a lot of iconic horror landmarks in this bit of the conversation. Talking Halloween, we're talking Nightmare on Elm Street, we're talking... um, you know what? I'm not even going to tell you. Here it is. This is it. This is me talking to Joe about all of these different places and more. So enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side of your first Halloween bonus treat. It took me a long time, probably about a month ago is when I really started hitting the wall on being trapped inside. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't going in. I would go to the grocery store. I might run to some other store to pick up supplies or something. But other than that, I'd been in the apartment since March. And finally, like my girlfriend goes, I don't know how in the world you're staying in here and not going crazy. I'm like, you know what? I kind of am. I need to start getting <laughs> out. So now like every weekend or every other weekend, I hop in the car on a Saturday or a Sunday and I drive, I find the f- film locations for a movie I like or a TV show I like. And I'll just drive to it and take pictures of it, stay out for about two hours and just drive around and then come back home. Yeah, and that's hey, been my outlet. Hey, but that's good, though. It's good. It's good to have an outlet and it's healthy to be to be getting out. I saw you've been doing that. That's really actually kind of cool just to sort of, I don't know, take back the veneer of how you, you've seen something or how you've known something for years. And you can see it in the architecture, but it's uh, it's, it's kind of a different, interesting, cool look at things. Yeah, especially when you're standing in front of it and you realize yeah. like it's a house and it's either like the um, Nightmare on Elm Street house is right off of Sunset Boulevard and you would never know it was down there. It's just a stone's <laughs> throw from Sunset. Same thing with uh, the houses from John Carpenter's Halloween, uh, the, the Tommy Doyle house and the Lindsay house across the street from it. They actually are across the street. They're just on the other side of Sunset from where the Nightmare on Elm Street house is. And you're like, oh, man, this is crazy. Like, I didn't know it was here. Or conversely, I drove way out into the desert at the end of last year to find the Kill Bill Church and the location of the end of Seven when the box gets delivered. No. And with John Doe. Yeah. So I, I, it, I was so mad. I got to the Kill Bill Church and part, and it was at the end of the year when I was off, so it was still snowing and everything up in the mountains. So snow was everywhere. 
and they were doing some sort of maintenance on the church and had a giant truck parked in front of it. So I couldn't even get a picture of it. Then when I tried to get to where that scene from seven happened, it really is in the middle of nowhere. Like the, the paved roads end three blocks before you get to it. And I have a little like Honda Civic hybrid. I can't drive in snow <laughs> and slush. And I drove as far as I could to get to these coordinates that I'd put in my GPS. And I'm like, oh, if I go under there, I'm not coming back out. Like yeah. I can't drive through that. So I, I got to get back up there again. But that's like a good hour and a half drive away. So the last one I did, I, Cobra Kai was another like nostalgia binge for us. Ago, so I was driving around in the valley two weekends ago taking pictures of things. How do you even find the coordinates for that seven spot? Because it is like, at least from the movie perspective, it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it, I mean, it really is. I happened to find I was just doing a bunch of searches for film locations and I found a guy who had an old like Flickr account who he must have worked in the business because half of his photos were film locations mm. and half of them were him like taking pictures of an actual now filming location. So he must have done something on the production or sets of things, but he actually found it somehow and he put in the exact GPS coordinates for it. And it's so funny because I can do the, the Google Maps thing and get right there and then match it up with what's on screen in the movie. And the only real difference is there's all these like towers with wires. They put CGI towers in, so it looks like a ton of them in the movie. Mm-hmm. But where Brad Pitt, there's a scene, you know, when he's like, really, what's in the box? And the camera's down below him and he's looking down with the gun. There's a specific tower with a shape at the top of it behind him. And I, I'm near positive i know where to stand to be in the right place for that <laughs> so at some point soon when it gets a little bit cooler out because it's been like well over 100 in the deserts here yeah. i want to get back up there but that, that's been my kind of catharsis is going to all these places and of course most of them are horror movie related but it's just been fun to get yeah, out because I, I was i was going straight stir crazy yeah like- and when i watched the night of the world i was just like yeah i don't want to come into that <laughs> <laughs> it's a good sort of measuring stick to be like, yes, if I'm ending up in that direction, pull me back. <laughs> yeah, because I had a full-on like Grizzly Adams beard at that point, and I was like, I like the beard, but I think I'm going crazy, like into the Mad Men era <laughs> of like just I look like I came out of the forest after being lost for ten years. Oh man, have you got any places, uh, locations like on a bucket list, like places that you've either ticked off doing this or that you are yet to actually get to, but really, really want to? The Poltergeist House is high on my list. It's about an hour, 30 minutes, hour, 45 minutes away from me. I really want to hit that up. But most of them, uh, like the, uh, Michael Myers House for Halloween, it's in Pasadena. I've checked that off the box. The Nightmare on Elm Street House check that off uh downtown la i finally near the end of last year i went to the building that's used in blade runner oh. uh, where decker goes in like the guy that has all the, like the little weird friends that he had made or whatever yeah. uh the bradbury building i went in there that one was like really high yeah but right now i think it's kind of funny like, what i really want to take a picture of is like some train tracks the beginning of they live that was all filmed down in LA, Mm -hmm. uh, downtown LA. And I I have found, I think the area, but I'm going to have to go into some not so nice places and maybe (laughs) climb some fences or so (laughs) and get some pictures. And then I'm fairly positive. I know where the alley is that the big fight scene happens. 
So the, that right now, I think that's at the top of my list uh, of what I want to go do. Uh, the Big Lebowski is also high. I've only been to one big or two Big Lebowski filming locations, and uh, one of them is where they dump the ashes out of Don. That's for Donnie. right. Yes, I've seen a photo for that. Yeah. And, and that one was crazy because I, I did. I had to climb over a, a stone fence, climb down an embankment, go under a chain link fence, and it's roped off or sectioned off because that part of the cliff is collapsing. <laughs> so you shouldn't be out there. But I ran out, looked at where I thought it might have taken place, took a picture from far away, and ran back. <laughs> but yeah, Poltergeist House and, and all the day- they live places downtown. If I can find them, those are high on my list right now. Oh, some of the houses that you visit are they actually like the Michael Myers house, etc.? Is that like and like an, just an empty lot, or is that actually sort of populated by people? Is it like an active living house, or is it just empty? No, they've all been populated. So the the Michael Myers house actually has been moved from its original location. And it's a business. There's like a bunch of different uh, people that do work out of there. And for the longest time, there was a little card that says like, hey, yes, this is the house. Please take a picture. For, but don't don't come up on our porch. Don't come inside. Don't do anything. Well, two years ago for the 40th anniversary, I did a Halloween convention in Pasadena. And part of that convention I got tickets for was a tour of all the film locations around the area. And that was a stop on the tour. And there was a guy who runs a real estate business. And I guess he had talked to all the other tenants. I was just like, hey, look, I'm co-sponsoring this. I'm going to let everyone walk up in the doorway and take a picture in this house. <laughs> so that is active. And for the longest time, they didn't want anyone there. Uh, conversely, not far away from there is the Lori Strode house. The people that own that house have owned it for years. It's a family. They have a little sign out that says, yes, you have the right house. Here are some plastic pumpkins if you want to hold them and take a picture out front. So they're way into it. Uh, But yeah, so it's kind of hit or miss. Like the people that own the Nightmare on Elm Street house, I'm not sure if they're too happy about that or not. I've been by there so many times. It's cool that you've got people that are like into it, though. And uh, obviously, no people are going to come and sort of flock to these spaces and and kind of just like, yeah, well, we're not going to stop them. So let's just sort of embrace the fanhood. Yeah, and I can't imagine owning something like that, knowing what it is and being a jerk about it. Uh, One of the last places I went to was uh, the mansion that was used for the first season of American Horror Story for Murder House. And the person that bought that, like right now, is going through a bunch of construction, so they have it all fenced off, even though you can still see through the fence. But when they first bought it, there was a huge story, or not a huge story, but there was a story that came out where they were mad because fans of American Horror Story kept coming by to take a picture. I'm like, well, if they're not coming on your property, if they're just on the sidewalk, like you have to expect it. Mm-hmm. And then another recent stop was uh, I love Wes Craven, so I, I went to the house that was used for the people under the stairs. And that is is so weird. It's in this little tucked away neighborhood right off one of the freeways. You would never think that it was there. And I got out of my car. I parked right in front of it, walked across the street to get a picture. And I realized that the homeowner was smoking a cigarette out front on the patio. And they just looked over at me as a lady. She just kind of looked over and just kind of nodded like, yeah, okay, we get this all the time. (laughs) And she just walked away so I could get a picture clear (laughs) of just the house. (laughs) But yeah, it, you run the gamut. It's like uh, the Brady Bunch house I went to. No one lives in that right now, but they had HGTV had purchased that to do their little renovation project with the actors from the show. 
and there's signs all over that thing of like, stay away, don't come near mm. the house. <laughs> so it really is hit or miss. Yeah. See, you you kind of just have to, I think, just play along with it. You know, as you say, if you know exactly what you've got on your hands, then then why why be a jerk about it? Oh, really? All right, so there you go. That was me talking with Joe, or rather Joe telling me about a number of famous, or rather iconic, actually. Iconic is probably the more apt word to use there. Iconic landmarks and spaces within film and TV history, especially horror. Yeah, really fascinated by that. Would like to actually get out and try and find some of these myself at some point down the line in the future. Maybe you have yourself, I don't know. Perhaps you have a list of your very own. If so, I would love to know what you've ticked off and what you are hoping to one day be able to tick off said list for famous uh, TV and film location spots. So now the second treat in your Halloween bonus podcast is shifting from fictional creepy places to real creepy places. Well, depending on like how much you actually believe, I suppose. But we are looking at free individual locations, and I've pulled this from a Frillist.com article. I will put a link to the full article in the show notes on the website, which is dimed-out.com, so you can check out every location mentioned, but there's too many to do in this, so I just pulled out free. That really sort of jumped out at me, and I'm going to be reading verbatim the entries. So, yeah, absolute props and credit to Frillist.com and all of the staffers and writers there that have put this together. Definitely worth checking out because there's a lot of just downright weird and creepy and just from certain historical standpoints, actually really fascinating locations mentioned here. Some of which you will be familiar with, some of which you will probably not have heard of before, which is uh, certainly the case when I went through the article. But these are the three that really stood out to me. They're really kind of not so much... uh, had the hairs on the back of my neck stand up, but kind of just like, I don't know, just grabbed by attention for sure. So we start off in Arizona, and this is this is something I should mention. In the article, it's a place for each state. So it's a creepy, spooky, terrifying location for each state. So depending on where you're at, if you're living in the US, maybe you are familiar with these places, maybe you visited. If you have, I'd love to know what that was like. And if you did encounter anything or what your experience as a whole was like going to visit these places. But yeah, here are three of them. And we are starting in Arizona with the Yuma Territorial Prison. And again, I'm reading verbatim from Frillist. So all credit goes to those guys. Established during Western expansion, this territorial prison scored itself 111 permanent guests during its heyday between 1876 and 1909. Not one to shy from a rep of locking people into hot, dire places, Arizona has designated this a state historical park, easily one of the creepiest in the nation, and one of the most haunted spots in Arizona. Guides report feeling chills when they pass cell 14, where an inmate doing time for crimes against nature, whatever the hell that means, killed himself. In the so-called dark cell, prisoners in a pitch-black solitary went mad whilst chained to ring bolts in the walls. Yeah, just abandoned old-timey prisons, like asylums, are just places (laughs) that I don't... I kind of want to go explore, but at the same time really don't. 
but at the same time I really do there's a real conflict going on there but yeah definitely you know whether or not you believe in in haunted locations if you do if there is such a thing if there is the idea of like malevolent or tortured spirits living in locations then something like this is is like a prime candidate for a territorial prison from the old days between 1876 and 1909 where you know for a fact they just were not handing out like gentle justice (laughs) yeah that's the kind of place that is ripe for like malevolent evil spirits especially if you are getting like notorious criminals one of the most notorious criminals that went to Yuma was Elena Estrada who allegedly ripped out the heart of an unfaithful partner and threw it in his face because of this she was sentenced to serve seven years which really when you think about it for doing that it's not that bad if she did it again it's allegedly but yeah wow just wow ripped out his heart and just threw it right in his face now that is like a tough act of personal vengeance if ever there was one. So, on to our second location, and this one is in Whittier, California. So this is California's representative for spooky spaces, and it is in Turnbull Canyon. And again, reading verbatim from Thrillist.com. California is packed with terrifying places. From cult compounds to famous murder sites, haunted hotels and mysterious mansions. But none of them come with the promise of a brisk scenic hike. Turnbull Canyon offers a four-mile hike through the sprawling Piente Hills. Keep an eye out for sweeping city views and the ghosts of 29 people who perished here in a plane crash in the 1950s. Oh, and the ghosts of children who, according to uncorroborated legend, were taken from a nearby orphanage and used in ritualistic sacrifices. Oh, and uh, the ghost of the teen who found some old electroshock equipment from the canyon's burnt-down asylum and fried his brain, despite the site having no power. Now, I've looked into this place after reading this section in the article, and it is rife with rumours, legends, and folklore. At the end there, it talked about a burnt-down asylum, which is a big rumour. It's unproven. There's no paperwork for it. But, you know, a lot of people have speculated and, and believed for some time that it did house an asylum. And they believe that that is what used to lay behind what they refer to as the Gates of Hell. Yeah. If you look this up, if you look up Gates of Hell, Turnbull Canyon, you'll see a set of genuinely pretty creepy gates but there are a number of rumors and ideas and stories and as i say folklore about what they represent what they used to house what was on the other side as it were there is a lot of speculation there's a lot of hearsay there's there's just a lot of general i think sort of as i said folklore ghost stories a lot of sort of unfounded spooky rumors about turnbull canyon it does actually have a pretty grisly true crime history with one incident in particular the the murder of a young woman but um yeah as far as the ghosts and stuff and the the sacrifices and what have you the, the plane crash thing is real that did happen whether or not there's ghosts wandering around i who knows but that did happen so it does have a kind of 
macabre history. Whether or not that translates into paranormal projections and actual creepy, spooky things happening on these sites, I don't know. I've not been. Maybe you have. Maybe you have visited the gates of hell and you've seen some weird stuff. If you have, do let me know. Um, This place is kind of interesting. I do think a lot of it is, as we just said, sort of folklore and hearsay and spooky rumours ghost stories and and boogeyman tales but yeah a lot of interesting stuff for sure if you're into that sort of thing our third and final stop on this very brisk and brief tour of haunted spooky places takes us all the way over to iowa to a place and i think i'm pronouncing this right but again probably not uh fiscilla fiscilla Vasilla. Let's just go with Vasilla. Yeah, let's go with Vasilla. You can always correct me when you realise I'm actually wrong. So, yeah, the Vasilla Axe Murder Hotel in Iowa. And again, reading verbatim from Frillist.com. And again, the full article with all of the places mentioned will be on the website at dimed-out.com. But for now, this is us jumping into Vasilla Axe Murder Hotel. For a truly one-of-a-kind night away... Book in at the Vasilla Axe Murder House. It sounds like I'm doing a commercial for it. For a truly one-of-a-kind night away, book in at the Vasilla Axe Murder House. The aptly named home where eight people were axe-murdered in their sleep back in 1912. The case is still unsolved, but the main suspect was a travelling minister who had taught at a nearby church that night and left town early next morning. Tours and overnight stays are offered in the very rooms that were the scene of a bloody massacre. You'll probably get the best sleep of your life, right? Now here's the thing. Would you do that? Would you want to stay in the room? Whether or not you believe in spirits or ghosts or what have you, would you want to stay in a room where something that menacing and just cold-blooded and evil and macabre happened? I mean, eight people in their sleep with an axe. You know, I don't know if that's a true story. I don't know if there are crime records. Presumably there are, if they're talking about a suspect, but I haven't really dug into it, is what I'm saying. So presumably it was an actual real crime that happened. So would you want to actually stay there? Again, you know, it's it's that conflict of, uh, yes, because it's fascinating and there is that sort of macabre curiosity to it but at the same time no because this is where eight people were murdered and even if you don't believe in ghosts and spirits it's still kind of you know yeah i don't know how i feel about that on one hand it would be kind of cool to stay there you know you could you could chalk it up as an experience a life experience but, um, mm, yeah, bad vibes, I guess, <laughs> to say the least. I would be curious, though, if any of you listening have stayed in that particular hotel, or if not that one, a hotel with a grisly history like that, for that sole purpose of staying somewhere where something like that happened. I would love to know if you have, where it was, and what you actually experience what you felt i tried looking into this and finding people's experiences briefly but i couldn't i only found like a series of like trip advisor reviews most of which actually complained about how quickly the tour is like you pay i think it's 10 15 dollars and it's done really fast uh was uh, like a big point of of grievance 
with some people. Not the fact that they felt a, a malevolent spirit hanging around them for weeks afterwards, or that they felt like a, a cold, heavy hand on their shoulder, or that they felt that their personal space was being in, invaded by a, an unknown entity, but that... Uh, they didn't quite get their money's worth. You know what? I was actually going to leave it there. I was going to just give you free, creepy, real-life places. But you know what? It's Halloween. It is the time for giving, so you can have one extra. I know. I know. I'm just too kind. All right. So our last one, our fourth and definitely final creepy real-life location is in Yorktown, Texas. And it is at Yorktown Memorial Hospital. Again, hotels, asylums, prisons, hospitals... These abandoned places with sort of dark, macabre histories, these are the real-life locations you want to go to if you are so inclined to find yourself in spooky situations. All right, so here we go. Yorktown Memorial Hospital. And again, this is from the Thrillist.com article, which, once again, I will link to in the show notes over on our website, dimed-out.com. Yeah, it would be good if I got the the URL to my own website correct. That would be a good start. Anyway, here we go. Yorktown Memorial Hospital in Yorktown, Texas. The old beds, gurneys, mirrors, chairs, and other medical equipment are still inside this decrepit, abandoned hospital, where more than 2,000 patients died before it shut in 1988. Today, visitors have described inexplicable apparitions whispers, shadowy figures in the hallways, wheelchairs rolling unpushed, and a particularly terrifying talking doll in the nursery that asks, Do you love me? Yeah, that's pretty flipping creepy. Dolls as a whole, they are creepy. They're a little bit overdone in horror movies, but still, like, in real life, dolls are still somewhat creepy. Um, for me... The bit that gets me is the wheelchair sort of rolling along down the aisles, being unpushed, just moving on its own. Yeah, you can picture it, right? Yeah, you can see that. That's that's kind of terrifying. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. I'm kind of, again, kind of curious to go check out Yorktown Memorial Hospital, do a little bit of digging, see what I can find. That's That's definitely one for the future. That might be an interesting episode, right, for season two. Sort of digging around Yorktown Memorial Hospital. Maybe take uh, some some amateur ghost detecting equipment. I did do a ghost tour in Ramble On, the first podcast I did. But this would be uh, an evolution of that. That would be me taking things into my own hands. And uh, wandering around a very, very creepy sounding place for sure. Yeah, if you are interested, I did do a sort of spooky episode for Ramble On, the the first podcast I did a couple of years ago. It's more than a couple now, but I did a ghost tour of my local hometown. There's a a place called the Underpass. It's underneath the the rail station, railway station, and uh, they were doing ghost tours. So I did one of those and uh, yeah, kind of documented it. So yeah, if you search out Ramble On on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from, you'll be able to find that episode if you're interested in finding uh, what that was like. It was quite the interesting experience. It's the only ghost tour that I've done. I have. Well, no, that's not that's not true. I did. Uh, I've done two in my life, but that's the only one that I've recorded for an episode. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's something in there. Maybe doing. Uh, one down at Yorktown Memorial Hospital would be pretty cool. Maybe not for season two, but maybe some point in the future. 
Yeah, unless you've got somewhere that you want to recommend. If you've got a spooky location that you know of, that maybe you've been to, maybe you've had an experience at. Yeah, I would love to know. I would love for those recommendations to come in. And I would love to know about any experiences you actually have had. We touched upon one with Andy when she came on the show, which is which really kind of unsettling to say the least so yeah if uh, if you are into spooky stuff into real life spooky anecdotes and what have you check out i think it was the the second episode it's the heaven's gate episode that we did with andy she told us a a pretty uh pretty unnerving personal anecdote but if you've had experiences yourself paranormal wise i would love to know yeah, the best way you can get in touch with me about those experiences, if you've had them, or about locations you would recommend, spooky locations, or even spooky, great horror movies for Halloween. The best way you can get in touch with me about any of this stuff, or about the show in general, or anything in general, really, is via the website, dime-out.com. Leave a comment on the, the post page for this episode, or you can get in touch with me directly via social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at I am Mal Foster. Those are your best two, to be honest. Those are going to get you the more direct answers for sure. But yeah, I would love to hear your guys' feedback on uh, on all things spooky, you know? All things creepy and mysterious. Anyway, that about does it for this bonus podcast. It was always going to be just a little extra, a little bonus, a little something, just a little treat for you guys for the support that you've given me. I wanted to give just a little bit extra, especially at the minute when we could all use that little extra jolt of escapism for sure. So, uh, yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it's kind of set the tone right for Halloween. Yeah, what are you doing, by the way? That's something else I'd like to know. What have you got planned? How are you being inventive and creative in this uh, this very restrictive time period we're living in? Have you decorated your house even more than usual? Love to know. Anyway, that's about it. As always, thank you for listening, guys. Truly, I mean that. I say that every week, and I mean it every week. You've shown me so much love and support during season one. And uh, I feel it. I see it in the comments. I see it in, in your just the way you respond to what I'm doing. And, and yeah, I truly mean it when I say thank you for listening. So yeah, thank you for listening. Look after yourself. Look after each other. And until next time, keep it tight. out. <laughs> to see